Hello. Okay, I'm calling you because I just want to tell you about a park I visited <laughs> yesterday. Hi, Trevor. It's a park that、uh, has a name, but I think that's it, and potentially not even the name. <laughs> What? What do you mean? Okay, so I drove way out west and south in Edmonton, like past the Henday. You go, you、mm-hmm. go out there. You you hit the farmers' fields. You keep going, and then all of a sudden, past the farmers' fields, there's houses. They just come out of nowhere,、um, and there's like street signs, but no streets. There's like houses on one side of the street, but not on the other.、Mm-hmm. I drove around a bit, and eventually, I found. One of those rezoning billboards, you know, that has like a little、okay. map of the area and what it's planned to be, and、mm-hmm. basically it was like this is a proposal to turn a farmer's field into like ten different things, <laughs> like that belong in a city,、uh, and one of them was a park. So、hmm. it was covered in mounds of dirt, like. Like big mountains of dirt, so I don't know if that's future landscaping、huh. for the park or if that's just where they store dirt. You know, when they're digging out the rest of the neighborhood. You might be wondering, <laughs> why did I go out there? Yeah, where did you even get this tip that there might be a park past the zombie wall? <laughs> well, I got the tip from reading through the minutes of the city naming committee. Ooh. And I, I was digging into their notes because of a question from our listener Matthew Thompson、uh, that we're going to try and answer this month. He wanted to know how is a park named. Hmm, I'm very interested in that as well. Yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts on that question? <laughs> <gasps> um, well, if I think about how parks get named. Um, I think about、uh, all the places that we've seen <laughs> this season that seem park-like but don't have names, which is interesting. And I think about the places that have names that maybe have、uh, lost their luster over time, that maybe celebrate some people that we、um, recognize as less welcoming forces in Edmontonian history now. Uh, yeah. And I think there's some interesting、um, power dynamics and expressions of like who we want to be and what kind of landscape we want to have behind park names.、Uh, yeah. yeah, I dig it. I mean, and that's all. Those are all questions and things that I was thinking about when I was reading through the minutes of the city naming committee,、um, because they they name everything. They name municipal facilities,、uh, like、mm-hmm. like Edmonton Tower. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. They named that just a few years ago. They name whole neighborhoods,、um, and of course, they name parks and roads. So, yeah, it was cool to、uh, dig through those notes.、Um, and the, and the thing that brought me out there in the southwest was a decision to name a future park after Justina Rice, who was a, a pioneer woman in broadcasting.、Uh, so you know, it seemed appropriate for us、mm. that I would go check it out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if I found it, but I'm going to ask the chair of the naming committee myself because we're going to meet up with Aaron McDonald this weekend. Ooh!、Uh, I hope you're ready. It's going to be cold. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm pumped, and I will get my fresh new long underwear out. <laughs> awesome! Awesome! Yeah. So、uh, I'll see you out there with Matthew Thompson, our questioner of the month, and we'll meet up with Aaron McDonald. And、uh, I don't know. I mean, as long as I've got you on the line, do you want to do the intro to the show? <laughs> Let's do it.、Uh, this is Let's Find Out, podcast about Edmonton, Alberta, or a Miskwichi Wiskaigon. On Treaty Six territory and Métis Region Four, we take questions from curious Edmontonians about local history, then we find out the answers together. Let's find out as a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, and we are proudly supported by you, our listeners. You can find us on Patreon, where you can help us pay for some of the basic costs of making a podcast like this. Things like our website, editing software, audio hosting, support at any level is appreciated. And of course, you might be able to take home a little Let's Find Out sticker or mug. And I'm Chris Chang and Phillips, by the way. And I'm Trevor Chow Fraser, 
And uh, I'm gonna drag us out into the freezing cold of an Edmonton winter's morning right after this message from our sponsors. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to Edmonton Public Schools Open House. Meet the staff and ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs. Explore your options and find the school that feels right. Find event dates and learn how to make the most out of your visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. A little bit of snow out on the park sidewalks today. Make sure you get some room noise. Right. <laughs> Down here in uh, Queen Elizabeth Park, and uh, we're gonna go see the Inu River Lot 11 park within a park. It's a beautiful morning, Sunday early morning. The sun's just touching the tips of the trees. Chickadees are already out. Yeah, the snowblowers are in full force. <laughs> There's not a lot of snow out here, but it is cold. I am freezing, but I'm wearing long underwear, mm -hmm. felted jeans, and snow pants. Mm -hmm. Heavy parka, I'm super ready for a morning of exploring par parks in the middle of winter here in Edmonton. Um, I'm gonna be meeting with Aaron McDonald, the chair of the naming committee. The naming committee. The naming committee, uh, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. I think she's already meeting up with our questioner, Matthew. So uh, let's go find them. I'm good. good. Good to meet you in person. Hi. Do we don't you yes. think the snowblowers are going down into the park too? Is that <laughs> is that what you're worried? Yeah, that, I think so. Yeah. What does that interfere with Audi? I don't understand. Oh yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> oh joy. Well, we could start chatting in here first. Okay. So I'm, um, I'm Matthew Thompson. I'm from Saskatoon and uh, a few other places, but I've had Edmonton as my home for not a consecutive seven years, but like maybe cumulatively seven or eight years. Uh, and I use uh, he, him, they, them, and she, her, whatever, whatever pronouns you want. Go for it. It okay. doesn't bother me. <laughs> and since we're talking about park names today, I was wondering if you know, what does your name mean? Um, I think uh, Thompson is pretty easy. Uh, it means son of Tom. Uh, and Matthew, I think, uh, comes from the Hebrew for gift of God. Is and that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> um, my dad's name is not Tom. My dad's oh. name is Christopher. But if you can believe it, his last name is also Thompson. And his dad is also not named Tom. So, you know, it seems that this scam has been going on for some time. <laughs> okay, well, uh, great to meet you in person. Uh, we're also meeting with Aaron McDonald. Hi. Chair Hi. of the naming committee. Could you, could you tell us a bit more about yourself? Of course. So I'm Aaron McDonald. My pronouns are she, they. I am the current chair of the Edmonton Naming Committee, and I have lived in Edmonton for 12 years, originally from the eastern part of Toronto, uh, Scarborough. Cool. And yeah, so we're really excited to learn more about park naming with you. Um, we're going to go out and explore some of these parks on foot. Right now we're huddled in the car because it's really cold. And... Uh, all right, well, this is your chance to ask 
The, <laughs> the, the question. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So go ahead. Why don't you ask your question? Take yeah. It. So, Aaron, my question is, how are parks in Edmonton named? Uh, and sort of what goes into that process? And, you know, to quote uh, the bard himself, you know, is a park by any other name just as green? <laughs> wow. You've put me on the spot with <laughs> quoting Shakespeare and then expecting me to be eloquent. The process of naming in Edmonton has evolved over time along with the city. The, the technical side of the naming committee is, I think, really fascinating because the city of Edmonton has assigned authority to a volunteer committee to make decisions for council. So we're not an advisory board like some of the other city committees where we provide advice to council. In this case, we actually do the work. We make the change and it is official. So when we engage with a part of community or an individual who wants to commemorate somebody, we're really having an authoritative conversation. The naming committee evolved out of the names advisory board, which I believe was established in the 1950s or so. And that was intended to take the burden of naming off of city council. You can imagine we get into a lot of administrivia and spelling and grammar and language nuances that perhaps we don't want to have our city councillors working on. <laughs> <laughs> so they they assign this authority to an external advisory or sorry um, decision making body, and that's continued, of course, to today. So we're a committee of seven community members. We go through a process of interviewing an appointment through city council. We come from different backgrounds, educational backgrounds, lived experiences, and our goal is to review requests for naming as well as make decisions around the naming policy. So when I joined, this policy had been updated and it really prioritized naming civic assets, so your parks, your roads, uh, municipally owned facilities like LRT stops and stations after significant individuals. This is good but it really prioritized the human experience on the land and didn't acknowledge that this land is used by many people and also it existed long before we were here. There's geologic features which we can um, commemorate, there's flora and fauna that we can commemorate as well. So the policy now helps us prioritize those features as well as both indigenous and um, uh, other stories. So the stories of not only settlers who came from Europe, but settlers who came from around the world to Edmonton historically and contemporarily. So we go through a rigorous process of asking questions. Why is this name presented? What is the story that it's telling? What is the message that it's sending to people about what we value here in Edmonton? So we look at individual applications on a case-by-case -case basis and say does this make sense in today's context will there be a future state where this doesn't make sense are we taking into account all the traditional uses of this land and sometimes we argue about punctuation and Inu River Lot 11 is an interesting punctuation story because it does include the Cree syllabics as well as the Métis infinity symbol and this was intentional it wasn't just one person suggesting that, hey, we need to include this. This was a collaborative consensus-based process that started in 2013 and completed in 2017. So when you think about the amount of time it takes to name something, you start to understand the consideration that's gone into it. So when we talk about uh, parks that haven't been officially named, and I think we might be visiting one later, we get a little bit antsy because we go through this rigorous process but maybe there is a name that this community has been using that we also want to honor because it it documents our use of space yeah did i answer it yeah although the word rigorous makes it sound like it's more dry than i bet it is because i know some of the people on the naming committee and you're you're fun nerdy people <laughs> we are i i would say we're absolutely fun and nerdy. 
feels like it feels like it's just something that's part of my life now. Um, I've had folks ask me as I take on new opportunities, why don't you just leave something behind? And it's like, but we're doing really important work for the city. And I've seen so much progress since I joined. The conversation that we're having today about the names, so many of these started in 2017. It's just really ironic that there was a real tipping point in 2017 to talk about a different approach to naming in Edmonton. Is that because like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission work had digested into the popular culture by then, do you think, or what was going on in 2017? I think that's part of it. I think we started having more intentional conversations around what naming means and what placing a stamp of a name officially on a place is a statement of claim. And the Truth and Reconciliation Committee uncovered and unpacked for a lot of people in popular knowledge what truly has happened to Indigenous culture in Canada since colonization. And wrestling with that has resulted in new approaches and new thinking to things like naming. So you also started to have criticism of existing names like Grandin and Oliver at the same time. I would suspect it's a matter of digestion of the outcomes of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, as well as maybe some generational shifts in understanding that names don't always have to be the exact same as they were before and that we can change and evolve. I can already hear my deceased grandfather saying, but you're erasing history. History has not been erased, right? And, and we will often hear this argument. And that history remains existing. By sublimating the history that came before it, we've already erased history. We've already done that by saying, actually, this place is Queen Elizabeth Park. But what was it before that? It wasn't Queen Elizabeth's Park. It was land used for tens of thousands of years by a variety of indigenous cultures who used the space as a movement between resources. And so if we're not raising that story, what are we erasing? A much longer history. So we have these stories of the colonial settlers. We know them. They're well documented. We have books and books about them. But these other stories that we're starting to uncover now are either less told, less well known, or maybe even not as well documented. It's an opportunity to conduct additional research and to uncover things that maybe we ignored or intentionally pushed aside to tell a colonial uh, British story. I feel like we picked the right place to start then because uh, we're in Queen Elizabeth Park, but mm -hmm. we're also going to go to the park within the park, mm -hmm. the Inu River Lot 11 park. And it seems like that kind of encapsulates a lot of what you're talking about in terms of colonial names and prior names and how, those, how you're figuring out how those work together. Yeah, and it's been a journey. I, I'd say this is not something that's happened overnight or has been understood as a mechanism for reclamation of Indigenous culture until we really got into it. Um, and the process of naming Inu uh, River Lot 11 really began in 2013 with the conceptualization of, of the Indigenous Art Park. And at that time it was called the Aboriginal Art Park. So even our naming of what we call the space has evolved in the past 10 years. Well, how about we go over to the sign for New River Lot 11, <clears throat> and then you can tell us more about that actual, that specific name. Great. Okay. While Erin was talking, I saw a coyote walk by, <gasps> like, right past her. Awesome! But I didn't want to interrupt. True, true proof that, uh, you know, we aren't the only people who use this land, or the only beings that use this land. <laughs> hey, this is... This is um, oyster mushroom It is. Picking uh, we picked it over there. Yeah. That stairs. Pleurotus also uses this park. So many beings using this land. Yep. <laughs> it's a busy spot. Look at all these trees, too. Goddamn.
Coming down here at sunrise for ceremony is really powerful. This, the city's not awake yet, and it's so serene. You're often surrounded by wildlife. And if you have that opportunity, I really encourage everyone to come down and spend some time early in the morning in the river valley because it, it does give you a sense of what this place was before we all got here. Can I see it? Yeah, he's over there. It's just on the hill. So where, so uh, reading the sign, we have syllabics, we have um, Latin letters, uh, and then we have a s Arabic numbers, and then we have a, a symbol at the end. Um, so there's lots going on here. So where does the where does the name for this place come from? This name comes from a very long, but intentional process to acknowledge and commemorate several stories in this in this park so as we said this park is known as Queen Elizabeth Park and that was important to us in Edmonton in the 1930s and 40s when the name was applied because we were we were nation building as a country and we were trying to establish ourselves in connection with England in 2013, when this park was conceived, it was understood by city administration and the Edmonton Arts Council that if we were celebrating Indigenous art, then the name needed to reflect what was in the park, right? We need to give people an understanding, a concept. So the naming committee itself at the time and now were primarily from settler backgrounds. We didn't feel equipped or appropriate to assign a name it's not our language and we felt that there were experts beyond us that could provide an appropriate name so a working group was convened now I have the records from that working group and their actual notes so this was the working group we're scrolling through an iPad here Little PowerPoint presentation. Yes. <laughs> so it outlines the breakdown of the different component parts. So the Cree syllabics, or Inu, if we pronounce it uh, aloud. Aloud, that's the right word. Uh, it means I am of the earth. And it was intended to reclaim the space and say that this is of the earth and ground you here. Recognizes the Cree traditional culture that used this land. River Lot 11. This was known as River Lot 11. It was inhabited by Métis settler Joseph MacDonald from 1897 to 1921. The, th the third part, the, the final symbol, represents the Métis nation as a whole. So the group that was convened in 2013 included elders Joanne and Jerry Saddleback, as well as Lana Whiskey Jack, and others uh, who had this conversation to identify what would be meaningful. And you can see here their actual notes going through the different pronunci pronunciations, trying to get it just right. So the level of detail, it, it's interesting to understand the level of thought and rigor that goes into these conversations, where it's not like you just throw a name at the wall and go, that, that works. It's actually breaking down each component part to make sure it's respectful, to make sure it, it says what we intend it to say, and it will say that to others who receive it, right? Not just the intended, um, not just the person who says it in the first place. So they were really focused on creating an inclusive, in having an inclusive space, having emotional impact, tying it to the stories that existed here and to evoke curiosity. And I think that's what we did because you asked me, why is it named this? So <laughs> mission this accomplished. Mission accomplished. We are curious about this name. And so it's intended to really capture several stories at once, ground people in the land and the cultures that came and 
to make you curious about why we named it that. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, was it intentional? I mean, I, I, obviously everything about this name is intentional. So when you said that it, Inu means I am of the earth, <clears throat> what, what was the intention around not including like a translation of that in, the, in, in, in English in the name? We were, we received this as a gift of names. So when elders, Joanne and Jerry, released this to the city of Edmonton, we received the message that we didn't want to add further translation to the full name, that we felt that the full name as provided, that was gifted, which is, as you see it here, the Cree syllabic, Inu River Lot 11. Um, it wasn't our place to change that, to make it easier for uh, people who speak English as a first language to say. Um, so I think there is an intentionality around encouraging people to uncover what it means, not just give that outright. Mm -hmm. yeah. My fingers are frozen. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I feel like we should describe the park a little oh, bit. Coyote's back. Hmm? Coyote's, Coyote's back. back. Trotting away. So, so the this parklet, um, uh, this park within a park, it uh, overlooks um, the river valley. We can see the Walterdale Bridge ahead of us. Um, it is filled with pretty cool artwork. Um, there's a a huge um, redstone block with um, a statue of a coyote and <laughs> a little hair at the base um, covered in um, engravings of fossils. There's um, the letters for Escuello, I think, spelt in like big, gigantic Cree letters. <laughs> um, very Instagrammable. Um, there's a little amphitheater. There's a really cool Métis cart um, artwork set of stones down there. Um, and this is where the pool was i think too yes. we can also see um what i usually think of as like the picnic in and sneaking in a beer um hill um that overlooks walterdale which is also uh, enjoyed by coyotes i've heard people call that hill uh papa stew point mm -hmm. ah which which is actually interesting because uh, papa stew papa's chase uh, were here uh for many 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 years until uh, some unfortunate history happened in Canada and they were they were removed uh, forcibly. We have conversations now about reclaiming that name and that place. It's not necessarily as straightforward as the naming committee saying, well, let's just call this the Papas Chase Park. It's not our name. It's not our land to claim. And so we would work with the nation to decide what was appropriate for naming. Um, and it's it's complicated with Papa's Chase and Papa's Stew is there's not entirely agreement within the community itself as what the appropriate name would be. So we continue to have those conversations um, about what would be appropriate in Edmonton um, with regards to the Papa's Chase First Nation. I think it's I think it's interesting too how uh, there's the names that people sort of generate, which are not always uh, very nice names for places. Like Papa Stew Point is a nice name, but you know, there's a <laughs> we won't repeat them on air. But uh, you know, there's a organic names that can arise for places all the time, um, and so capturing that sometimes I feel like in the naming committee is challenging because nothing is uh, quite so straightforward as we want it to be always. Well, there's certainly names that are unfortunate and that we wouldn't want to codify as an official name. But there's other places where we have been calling it a certain thing like Rabbit Hill Road for, for hundreds of years because there were lots of rabbits there. So when it came to the naming committee, and this was before my time, but when it came to the naming committee, like what are we going to call this? It was sort of obvious. It's, well, it's Rabbit Hill Road. But we do have challenging conversations where we've applied a name that isn't received well today in current context. So something like Grandin or Oliver or even Churchill, where there's baggage. We're going to have the conversations around renaming, but it's not as simple as us just saying, well, we're going to put a different name on it. We have to uncover a lot of history and reconcile 
what was intended in the first place. Because, Chris, as you said, your grandfather would say we're erasing history. So we're not trying to erase the history or the damage that was done or even decontextualize why it was significant at the time it was named. We want to create that story and retain that while also being able to apply a new layer. And that new layer is our 21st century understanding of land and appropriate naming. There's another place that I know that you guys recently named, relatively recently, um, that you could talk about, which would maybe help us understand like who, when we're talking about people, like who is deserving of a name for a park or a place. Um, and that's the Frederick G. Todd Lookout, yeah. which is, uh, I just assumed it was part of the funicular, um, which is like an outdoor elevator that yeah. takes people from the bottom of the River Valley up to the, the Hotel, Hotel McDonald. Um, so that was built a few years ago, and the lookout, I just learned, it has a name. And it's named after Frederick T. Todd. So why is he deserving of a name? <laughs> That's a great question. And I think this is an example of a story that has evolved over time. Frederick G. Todd came to Alberta, and he came from a firm in New York. He was a landscape architect, and he had worked for the firm that had conceived of and developed Central Park. And when he came to Edmonton and viewed this river valley, he realized the potential that this land had for the largest urban park in North America that we could recreate what New York City had right here and invest in a long-term recreational space for people. He essentially changed the conversation around creating green space in the urban center in Edmonton. So when we were naming the lookout, which was asked of the naming committee by city administration, it was a civic asset that they were creating, they wanted us to name the funicular and the lookout. We had a lot of conversation around who we would commemorate and why. There was a lot of fun around naming the funicular. There was actually a point in time where we thought we might call it the Edmonton Funicular. <laughs> I, that did not pass and, and we went with the wayfinding approach which was naming it after the place where it is. And with the lookout we explored this story of this individual who came to Edmonton, ensured that we had this space to look out upon. Nothing had been named after him, and he had been included in the names reserve list, which is a list that, if you see the Edmonton naming book from Ada to Zoe, is a list of Edmontonians of the century who contributed in the 20th century to the creation of Edmonton. You got it in the car. Yeah. It's a good book. <laughs> it's a great book. Anyone who has a copy of that book is a friend for me. A funny story is that's how I met my girlfriend, was because she had a copy of Naming Edmonton on her desk when she took a photo of her work from home set up in, uh, during the pandemic. Aww. I was like, okay, now we're meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, and we had this long list of names that hadn't been used. And this was kind of a, an easy fit where we said, well, we want to recognize this person who did so much. Most folks don't know about him. We have a great story and it already existed. If you asked me today in 2023, would I have named it the Frederick G. Todd Lookout? I probably would have asked different questions. I might not have wanted to prioritize the story of somebody who came from New York to Edmonton and created a city in his image. I might have asked about specific names that might reflect an indigenous language like Cree or Blackfoot or Dene. So you can see the approach evolves over time. What we did was intentional and we thought it was the right thing. Questions arise about do we keep celebrating the same types of people? I have heard one person informally mention, why was it named that? Like, who is this guy? Who is this dead white guy? Because we name a lot of things after dead white guys. Um, and I have to defend that. So I ask myself the question, can I? And I do think that Frederick G. Todd had a significant impact on Edmonton. I think the naming of that lookout commemorated his vision. Um, but I may not necessarily consider that the most important story now. 
I'd, I'd be open to that conversation. Yeah. Since, since we're already in a park within a park, can you, can you just like layer names on top of names and like try to capture three or four different stories within one <laughs> location? Yeah. Like, we're that... doing that more and more now. And, and I, think that's, I think that we are working to look at ways that we can creatively apply names that don't cause confusion, that don't disrupt wayfinding, but add layers of meaning. Just like objects and oral histories have layers and layers of meaning of use over time as different people interacted with them, place does too. And I think our job as a naming committee is in part to honor and recognize that, but also not to be so rigid and stodgy that we're stuck in a certain era or way of thinking about naming. I think there's a dynamism to naming that um, is really beautiful. Well, Erin, we really appreciate all the hard work and rigor you put into your naming process, but uh, we're going to go meet some just some random kids who took it upon themselves to name a park. <laughs> I can't wait. So I think we'll, uh, we'll head over to our cars and we'll, um, and we'll drive out to that park and then we'll continue the conversation. This episode of Let's Find Out is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. The foundation manages endowment funds created by yourself or with a group. It's a way that you can make a difference in your community, not just today, not just in your lifetime, but forever. Funds can help alleviate poverty, support arts and culture, protect wildlife, and more. Once your fund reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. Page and Doug. Okay, Sam. Hello. Hi. Hi, Chris. Hi, Paige. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. And this is Sam. Sammy. Sammy. Yeah. Hi, Sammy. Of course, he's usually super friendly, but being skittish right now. Aww. So, uh, Paige, you reached out to us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I was listening to CBC and heard you talking about parks, and I love. Well, I like going in parks because of my dog. We spend a lot of time around here, so I figured I should write in. Amazing. Um, uh, so, uh, just would you mind telling us your first and last name and pronouns and, and what neighborhood we're in? Yeah, first name Paige Helwig, pronouns she and her. Um, and we are currently in Twin Brooks, but I'll put an asterisk on that because we're like the extra little east part of Twin Brooks. Mm. I don't identify as part of Twin Brooks. <laughs> um, we're like the extra little bit there. I think the signs say Black Mud Creek Ravine um, or Black Mud Creek Estates maybe on them. So yeah, that's where we're at. Awesome. So you are the um, the end of a road trip that we've been taking today uh, with today's question asker, um, Matthew Thompson. Um, and uh, so Matthew had asked us a question about how parks get names. Um, and uh, so as part of answering Matthew's question, Trevor and I reached out to Aaron McDonald, who is uh, the head of the naming committee for the city. So we visited um, an officially named place <laughs> and talked about the official naming process. But Paige had reached out to us about a non-official naming um, that I thought might round out an answer to your question. Um, Paige, would you mind introducing us to Porcupine Park? Yes, so this is Porcupine Park, and as you can see, it's got a lot of signs on it um, that maybe suggest that it might not be so much of a park. It doesn't have a sign that says, Welcome to Porcupine Park. Um, it is actually a gas pipeline corridor. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, early in the pandemic, uh, so early 2020, 
I would be walking Sammy around here and we kept getting people asking us, where's Porcupine Park? And they'd have it on their maps wondering where it's at. And I'd go, oh, it's right here. Kind of confused why people would want to come here. I mean, it's a nice green area in the summer, but it's not much of an actual park. Um, but I knew because I had looked on the map. I said, well, this is where it is. And people were at that time coming out to want to get out to different parks and see different parts of the city. Um, and then walking up and down this corridor one day, I was talking to a neighbor and I said, yeah, people come ask, keep, come keep asking me about Porcupine Park. And then she started laughing and said, my dad named that park. So he's an older fellow, had gone on Google Maps, dropped a little pin and said, this is Porcupine Park because they live here and there's a lot of porcupines that come up here. And so even like last week, I think it was Wednesday night, we were walking and we saw a porcupine coming from over here, trotting his little way down really? to Porcupine Park. And I did not know this, but they are great climbers. So he was climbing in and out of every fenced yard, up the little chain link fence, going booping around and then coming back out. So there are lots of porcupines here. We only ever see them here. So thusly, it is Porcupine Park. Huh. That's yeah. I wonder what makes a good porcupine habitat. I don't know. Trees. I, yeah. What did you say? Trees? Trees. Oh, I thought you might have said treats because oh. I know a lot of the people here like to feed the birds and stuff. So I've heard that the porcupines like to frequent the yards to nibble on the bird feed. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a, a, a totally different process from having a city appointed committee with the authority to give an official name to a thing. Um, yeah. Uh, do, do, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, like wooed the anarchistic democratization of naming, but uh, also like, how did you learn that it was called Porcupine Park? Just by looking when people asked on Google Maps? Yeah. Well, I, we previously lived just on the other side of the Hende. Always wanted to live in this neighborhood. I also love maps. I look at maps all the time. So I know the names of things. I look on the map and I see it. But another little funny tidbit I think is funny. There's a house listed just over there. And the realtor in the listing of the house has said, backs on to Porcupine Park. So I'm like, I guess it's a thing now. <laughs> yeah. You said you got the name from these kids. What, what do you think the name means to the kids? Oh. I think, well, I mean, I say kids. They were the kids of the dad. They're they're grown adults now, but they've called it that since they were kids. Um, they've grown up in this space, and that's something that they've seen. So I think it just kind of reaffirms what they've experienced by backing onto this space. And I mean, this area, when it was built, wasn't like it was the far outskirts of Edmonton. Um, so I think it was probably something special to them, you know, this little secret space that they had, and their dad had the opportunity to plunk a little thing there, and now people are here hearing it and repeating it and that's just hilarious to them like they think that's just the greatest thing did you like uh think or like talk about or visit this park or before you knew it had a name and did you call it something else or yeah, actually that's a funny funny thing you ask because since I, I had visited it before I knew the name, um, walking the dog, we go up and down all the ways or all the different kind of pathways throughout the community. Um, so my husband and I actually have a lot of different names for everything around here because, you know, you'll want to talk about your walk and what you saw on it. Um, so we affectionately usually call this Puppy Row because almost every house along here owns dogs. Our dog loves coming here. Um, we might choose one or two names of like dogs we know really well and refer to it as that. So there's a dog named Philip here. So sometimes it'll be Puppy Row or Philip Way or something like that. Um, and basically almost all the green spaces around here have a dog's name attached to it. So that's how we reference things. That's so interesting. Because I think, you know, language is one of the like main ways that we as people uh, navigate our and understand the world uh, and so I think it's so interesting to think about names because it like with philosophy or poetry not to be all hand wavy you know creates uh, a space with a word in your head to be able to to talk about or work with or recognize or, or share with your partner of sort of what you did on your walk um, in such a like huge way and so the way that place names seem to organically come about is by you know the the beings that live in that space, whether that's, you know, Philip the dog or the porcupines or whatever. I think that's, and I think that's so interesting how it comes so organically and naturally that it's just, the place is a relation. The name of the place comes from its relationship to the, the beings that live there. I think it's really, I think it's really important to acknowledge the, the actual 
relationship with the space as a valid approach to naming, right? We, we've been doing this in Edmonton for hundreds of years as settlers, and the people that came here before us were calling it Beaver Hills House for thousands of years before that because this is where the beavers were. That is no different than these kids and their dad calling this porcupine park because it was where the porcupines are. I think those layers of meaning that we create by assigning name, it creates our relationship with space. And it doesn't necessarily matter who is officially naming it as much as it is about what is the relationship that a name creates with a space, you know? Yeah. I think too the, um, the bureaucratic process where it becoming a park being recognized opens up access to funds that yes. could make you know mean that there's maybe like a, a paved path to the park so that people with accessibility concerns can use the park much more easily um where there's you know a water feature or the the grass gets mowed you know like these things that make the park or the space more enjoyable for um people and you know potentially the other beings that live there you know like uh, uh yeah i think it's um it, that to come back to the coolness point builds coolness because it's cool that everyone can use the space and it can become a community space um, because everyone can use it. Yeah. Well, from as far as I know, the city does have plans to come develop this area of the ravine. Hasn't made it into the budget yet. We are always petitioning for it, not petitioning formally, but always speaking up for it when we can and when we're choosing our councillors here, asking them about it. But it makes me wonder too, you know, because I think the project would take McGrath over on Twin, or on the other side of Twin Brooks um, and then Bear's Paw and kind of connect it. They all have officially named parks. We would be connected, but we don't have an officially named park, so that might be all the more reason to kind of get this place on the map officially. Absolutely. I think there's... There's a lot of these spaces in the city yeah. and policies around assigning uh, status to green space has evolved mm -hmm. over the past 10 to 15 years. So there's spaces that previously would not have been named are now actually covered by the naming policy, mm -hmm. which allows us to then receive community input, hear what you want to call it, and then go through the process of making that official mm -hmm. um, and, and finding that support for your community. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, thank you, Paige, for meeting us, and thanks for introducing us to Sammy. Yeah, yeah he's happy to meet everyone. Matthew, we traditionally um, force the question asker to tell us uh, what they think they're taking away from their field trip. Um, I'm taking away lots of, uh, of thoughts about naming. I mean, I think, you know, naming has always been sort of a human fascination, like you say. I mean, we talk about Adam in the Garden of Eden naming all the animals. We talk about you know, Shakespeare, like I said earlier, talking about a rose by any other name, smelling just as sweet. Um, and so I think that uh, it's it's made me think more about this and more about, um, you know, what, what makes a good name, um, how our approach to naming has changed, um, and what kind of names we can hope to see in the future. Thank you for inspiring a little learning journey today. It's an honor. Thanks for uh, indulging me and bringing all these people together who are so smart and doing such cool things. <laughs> okay, uh, you were asking how the process of naming has yeah, resonated? The, because, I mean, it's been such a personal part of your life now for, you know, a good number of years. How has that, how has it impacted your life outside of this work? Wow, that's, I mean, a deep philosophical question. You know, one of the things that I was recently looking into is uh, what what does it mean to have a meaningful life? Like what, what does it take? to qualify your life as meaningful. And the University of Zurich in Switzerland, uh, there was a research paper that suggested there's three things. And one of them is the feeling that you can make a difference, that you can choose. Uh, the other is being able to do the things that you love. And the last one is the feeling of making a difference, of doing something that will leave an impact after you're gone. 
the work that we're doing with naming and the changes that we're trying to make by honoring more diverse people, the the landscape itself, not just naming after settlers. Um, to me, I think we're changing the way that people in Edmonton relate to the land. And for me, it's about making a difference in recognizing the really interesting stories that people have about the places that they live and recreate. Like we just heard a great story about how important this corridor is to people in this community. Those stories are why I do this, is to, is to get that interesting information and then to uh, share it broadly so that when you see a place, you're like, I wonder why it's called that. And then you get the information because we've made it available, ideally. Uh, so I think it's about changing relationships and encouraging people to think about their connection um, with place. That's why I do it. That's cool. And with that, we're at the end. We know how Edmonton's parks are named. Thanks to Matthew Thompson, Aaron McDonald, and Paige Helwig for making it all possible. Now you might be wondering, what happened to asking Aaron about Justina Rice Park? Well, I did, and it turns out that the future park I visited is still unnamed, most likely. Justina Rice Park looks to be in a different part of the empty farmer's field, which means, well, perhaps there's still time to make your own suggestion. I'll leave that between you, uh, dear listener, and the City Naming Committee. Let's Find Out is produced by Trevor Chow Fraser, that's me, and Chris Changyan Phillips. Let us know what you think. Drop us a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. We're no longer on Twitter. You can download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. And thanks to everyone who's been supporting this show. Special shout out to Ghost Magpie Level supporter Raquel Ferro on Patreon. If you've enjoyed this show, please consider checking us out on Patreon too. Until next time, keep your questions coming. <laughs>